I like tension. I like suspense. I like to build things up to the point where, okay, all right, for God's sake, tell me what's going to happen. But now. it all sticks together, too, at the same time, right? You know what I mean? It yeah. really it, all it does come. Yeah. What makes a difference here, though, I've read other books in the past where it doesn't come full circle and tie itself. The loose ends are never tied. You know what I mean? Not never, but and those books time. got published. Some of them, yeah. Oh wow! You'd be amazed when people get published, right? <laughs> no, I'm I'm not amazed. Yeah, you're not amazed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you know what's going on. I appreciate you coming, taking the time and being patient. But man, you have been so busy. I have. I've been. You know, I get bored easy. That's that's really all it is. Okay. Yeah. You're 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 easily bored. Easily bored. I mean, you know, I was funny. I did a podcast earlier today, and with an author, and he was like, you know, what got you into it? And I was like, well, you know, that's a long, long answer to get into what got me to writing books. Because everything I've done has somehow led to the next thing I've done and, and somewhat prepared me for it. Like, I really dug movies, so I learned to act. And then when I started getting work, I'd sit around dressing rooms. I'd get bored. So since I wanted to learn movie making anyway, I learned how to make short films. And then I started writing screenplays. And so I started writing. So I wrote a script that I thought, well, I, this would be a movie I'd want to see. Yeah. And it got made. So, you know, so it just... Well, I love it, how passionate you are you know, about it, though. Well, like I say, I just I mean, you were bored, a big you know? part of the SAG strike. I mean, you were you were out there doing your thing. I was marching. You were yeah. marching. Yeah, I marched and, a lot. Even, even though, because I recur on General Hospital still. Right. Those were exempt from the strike. So the people that are under contract were compelled to go to work. And if there was a picket line outside, like the writers mm -hmm. say, you had, they had to cross that picket line. But I'm not a, I just don't happen to be under contract, so I could come in once in a while, and uh, and the rest of the time I would go out on the picket line and march. I think that's like super admirable, admirable of you. Just more so because of your long-standing career. Was it '82? Was your first TV show that you did? Because you were you were in TV right before around. movies. Is yeah, that yeah. Around '82 was probably the first kind of couple of gigs that I was doing. You know, just like get an episode of this or an episode of that, and uh, but it's not enough to live on yet. It right. wasn't until eighty eighty five I got my first TV series. Really? You know? Yeah. And What's I, that I, like? do every, I do everything old school. They say it takes seven years to break into show, but it took me seven years oh, from the time I moved here to the time I. Uh, I uh, got my first gig that got me out of the restaurant business. When you're making that leap, I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd done some research for, on you before. You were from Oregon, is that yeah. correct? Yeah, and Medford, you were, Oregon. You were doing your you were doing your thing up there. High school, is from what I understand. High you school and then in college, yeah, University of Oregon, yeah. But once you got that TV series, like you're a couple years in, seven years in, you mm -hmm. get a TV series. Like, what's that feeling like? Oh man, that's the best thing in the world because you know you've been. That's why you came. And I didn't give myself, you know, I don't. I didn't have that thing to fall back on. Okay. I left college. I dropped out of college after two years and said, you know, this isn't going to help me. This is what I want. For some reason, I just had this belief that I could do it, that it would work out. I, you know, and I don't know. Sometimes that's what you need. You okay. Know? So that leads me. That I love that answer. <laughs> I love that answer, bro. Here's why. Um, part one of the part one of your book. Right, right when the right when the chapter is about to start, mm -hmm. it says for anyone who gives it their best shot. Yeah, and and that for me, 
is like a is such a big thing, okay? Because it's all about m- taking that chance, right? And really believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like you kind of really embody that with especially with what you just said right i mean Uh, you know i i just think that it takes real guts to 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 follow your dream especially now i don't know it's funny we're in a funny time in in the world i mean we're we've we've got all this social media that seems to kind of lend to the idea that just about anybody can make it you know, yeah. got even you know, like make it big in terms of, and we think of success as this like level of fame or something. And on the other hand, we've got this incredible income inequality going on, which is why we're all on strike all yep. summer long. Yep. You know, um, so I mean, there's there's so many weird levels of making it and the belief that you have made it, and you know, how do you gauge that? I don't know, but I do think if you have a desire, it's there for a reason. Because you probably have a talent for it, and I would tell any any actor, any writer, any any musician, because I did that too. So did everybody you know, in Los b- Angeles. Exactly right. <laughs> um, you know, just but you got to believe in the dream. You got to believe in your dream. Yeah. And even if it doesn't match the trends or whatever is hot that moment, it will be eventually. I but love, you have to keep going. I love that shit. That is that is so awesome because that's exactly what it's all about, right? Because even for the podcast, right? Like I'm not mm-hmm. the biggest podcast ever, but I'm going to tell you right now: if, when you believe in yourself, even with this, it gets better and better and better. You and look at you're your, doing it, and you look <laughs> at your career, though, man. Right? And I mean, everything that you've done in your career, well, I'll use this word again: embodies you being not wanting to be bored. I mean, you do so much, right? Like, yeah. if you look at your filmography stuff, and I know that's just part of it, your Emmy nominations, a lot of that stuff, and then your work on General Hospital, obviously, is just like, it's unbelievable, man. And like, well, how's it, what's I'm it feel like to, to be here? Myself. You should be. You should be. I'm telling you right now, you should be. Yeah, it's, boy, it's been a long road. It's just been a really long road. And and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed, though, man. I get to... I honestly get up every day and get to do something that I love to do. Yeah. Even if it's just spending two hours at the computer writing. I I get to go act somewhere or I get to write or I get to, I can go see a movie if I'm not working. I can do whatever it is that day that I love. I can find one of them. And I mean, how many people get to say that? That is like uh, the definition of like what I I personally think happiness is. Is when you're yeah. when you're bored and you're able to fulfill it in a healthy role, that you know what I mean, and that does like yeah. I said fulfills you. Because mm-hmm. I mean, for you, I don't know about your personal life, but as far as what I can see on the internet, at least, right, uh, you're a phenomenal actor. Thanks. You're a director. Yeah. You're part of the Directors Guild, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah. Author. Author. Soon to be published. Okay. We'll call it musician as well. Right. I was I a mean, drummer. Yeah, I haven't picked up the sticks in a while, but yeah, I was. Right. And so I think like for you to be able to go into any of those spaces, it's just like, man, that's so cool. Yeah. It's it's been a great ride. All of it has been a great ride. You know, I wouldn't trade any of it. I used to be super close to my grandparents and we used to I used to go to her house and she was a big general hospital fan. <laughs> and uh she would always, man, always we'd be watching that. And, you know, I'm a kid. I'm like a soap opera, man. Like, I'm I'm out on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to watch that or whatever. But my grandma, man, she was holding strong all the time. So. Yeah, she had to watch her stories, right? Well, yeah. And so I asked, I said, is there any questions you want me to ask? And I told her I asked one question for her. And so what was it like playing two roles 
on one show? What was it like? Um, or what were the challenges of it? Well, you know, it's a little schizophrenic. Um, <laughs> but it's a really interesting kind of approach to, to work. I would try to... I, I had always hoped to, to play the crazy one first. Uh, because you have to split it up during the day, right? You got to play one side with a poor slob who never gets seen on camera because, you know, they're going to be shooting over his shoulder with a wig that looks like your hair, yeah. you know, and that guy has to act with you, but he never gets any credit for it. But I try to do the crazy one in the morning because that would give me ideas for the more sedate one. <laughs> on how to re how to react to it right you know um the crazy one was just going to react to anything anyway but what it <laughs> i think it had kind of expanded my consciousness in a way if that doesn't sound too pompous because that meant i every day i would come in when i was doing it i don't do that anymore but uh, when i was doing it it was so encompassing if I had 30 pages of dialogue of a twin talking to a twin, I mean, I had 60 pages of yeah, dialogue to do. And, you know, you got to memorize it all. And then you've got to break it down to be two different people and two different flavors. It's, uh, it's tough. You don't get paid double. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, you don't get paid double. You get paid a bump to do the second character. Is it a situation when you, you said you do the schizo more schizophrenic role in the morning? And yeah, then, you know the more normal role in the afternoon. Is that almost kind of on purpose too? Because you have to go home at the end of all of it, right? Is it hard easier to wind down? I suppose. Is the yeah, I, I suppose you can kind of ease your way out of it a little bit. But you know, you know what they say: less is more. Restrained acting is actually harder, okay. and that's why I'd say I'd, I'd, I'd want to do the crazy one who has no like social governors in his brain. You know, he's just kind of reacting in the moment all the time. Where the other guy. Um, Kevin, the, the, you know, the, the more sane, not completely sane, but more sane brother, has to kind of think his way through how to deal with this guy. So that's why I always wanted to do the crazy one first, because it would give me fuel that I could log away in my head for later in the day when I had to come back and play the other side. That makes sense. So that's it. It's well, like fuel. It's ammo. I like that. Yeah. I like that, though, because you seem to immerse yourself in whatever character you're playing. Well, you have to, especially if you're doing it that way, because you can't think about anything else. William Hurt used to say that anything that messes with your con with your concentration is bad. Yeah. It's true. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. I've never heard that before. Well, you're, now you're making me think, John. <laughs> well, don't, I don't want to do that. Jesus, man. You're just putting me through the ringer right now. You go through Hollywood, man. You're, you've are you you've done TV. You've done film. You just finished a film with Mel Gibson, Kate Bosworth, mm -hmm. uh, Confidential Informant. Mm -hmm. Now you're writing books. Yeah. So so can we talk? Like, what <laughs> what the like what happened there? How'd that, how'd that come about? Well, you know, writing anyway, like I said, I get bored. I wrote my first screenplays mostly in a in a dressing room. And a screenplay, the great Joan Didion um, said that she had written screenplays, but she was famous for her books. Uh, she said that a screenplay is basically a really big-ass outline for a novel. You know, oh, <laughs> everything's okay. all worked out, okay, right? Okay. So, you know, I'd written these screenplays, and then I found myself, well, you know, here I am kind of bored again. Why don't I take the next step? Now... There was a really important 
event that happened. Not an event. It was just fell into it. I got asked to do, to, to narrate some audiobooks. And for some reason, the guy who ran the studios where I did it thought I would have a good voice for thrillers. He definitely has a good voice for that. <laughs> Which is what I like to read anyway. You know, going back to like Raymond Chandler and then Elmore Leonard and all, I really love that stuff. And I was reading these these books, and some of these guys were just so good. Specifically, Alex Finlay, Don Winslow, uh, Blake Crouch. I got to narrate some of their stuff, and that helped kind of push me over the the ledge there to to give it a shot. But before I did it, I actually wrote those guys. Oh. And and thanked them because I I had to say, you know, not all the writers gave me this kind of inspiration, but these guys did. And and I had to write them and say, listen, thank you for giving me an example. Cause sitting narrating your stuff really brought me closer to it than just reading a page. And it does. You have to really think about what you're reading. And it was actually Alex. Uh, Alex Finlay, who wrote me back within five minutes, and he said, listen, if you really want to write, this is what you got to do. And he told me step by step, you know, sure, you got to write your book. You got to sit down every day and write your book. Once you're done, you need to talk to an editor. Spend a few bucks. Get a pro to look at it. And we cut about 20,000 words out of it. In that process. Yeah, we almost had 100,000 words. We cut it down to about 75. Now, you knew that was going to, that you're going to see an editor and things were going to, but I knew that, but I didn't know this process at all. Okay. I I learned it from, from, from him, really, from Alex. I mean, without Alex, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing any of this. Do you get offended when you get words cut out like that or certain parts? No. No. No, I didn't. No. Okay. Um, Because I was so new to it, I didn't know. Okay. I knew what was important to keep. Um, but a good editor can really spot the fat and say, you don't need this. Yeah. You know, and it was the editor who said, you've got a couple of subplots going on here. These are characters that, that could and probably should go. And when I listened to him and took all that stuff out, I had a book like I wanted to set out to do, which was Chandler-esque, which was like Elmore Leonard. It's not as good as those guys. Those guys were the masters. But I wanted to write a lean and mean crime novel. And that's what I wound up with. It was, strangely enough, sitting in a booth like this. Yeah. <laughs> narrating pages, you know, and and learning how to, to construct a novel simply by reading them. You have a soothing voice. That's why. You know that, right? Well, I have a good voice for it. You do. You I have, have a, a, I have a silken voice. That's what I'm saying, dude. You could be anywhere. <laughs> you could be on the fucking radio too. Like you could really get after it. That oh, job. that would be the first. Thing That'd be an I'd extra thing, for, right? Yeah. yeah. That'd be. That's my next. I'm going for radio. You should. You should. You got the perfect voice for it. <laughs> okay, continue. Sorry, I don't want to. Cut. Oh no, that's all right. It's just that uh, that step of of narrating audiobooks after having written screenplays, after having made some short films, having directed a feature film, having done all these things that came before it, having been a drummer, which taught me how to discern rhythm and tempo in dialogue. All of that just kind of led me to that point where I felt like, I think I've got everything I need now to write a book. Because, boy, I'll tell you, writing a book is the hardest thing I've ever done. 
the most fun, but it's the hardest. It's a great book. It Thank doesn't you. have a lot of fat. It doesn't have a lot of fat, right? No. Okay. It really doesn't have a lot of fat at all. Your writing style is one of my... I, I, I'm not a big reader, okay? But I love your writing style. Thank you. Okay. There it is. <laughs> Hollywood Hustle, everybody. <laughs> it comes out February 6th. And also... Available for pre-order right now. It's available for pre-order right now. You have... You narrated your own book. I did. I just finished listening to the uh, to the audiobook right before I got here. I'm going to I'm going to audiobook it when I when I do it uh, when I go through it again. Okay. I want to do that cuz I want right. to hear your soothing voice and fall asleep to it. Recorded it in my basement. <laughs> no, I'm serious though. It's it's incredible. So, okay, so um where does the inspiration behind this book come from? Years and years of Hollywood, really. I sat down one morning, literally just got up one morning, had my coffee, sat down at the computer and said, instead of checking my email, I think I'm going to I think I'm just going to start writing a story. And I started writing a what if. What if this guy, this actor, who's been up and been down and has found his way up to a certain level again, built his life to a what seems like a solid spot where he can hang on to it, suddenly gets turned over because his granddaughter shows up right. where she shouldn't be. And he finds out that his daughter's been kidnapped. And, and that's really, that's all I had. I hadn't outlined anything or anything, but I had it. I knew where it was going to go in my head. I knew where, where I could go in my head. I knew where it would end up. I knew how it began. And basically, if you know those two things, you can find your way there. Well, the buildup in this thriller is ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous in good or bad yeah, yeah. I, knew, I, knew, I knew that was coming I, 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 I can tell you're gonna ask that but yeah no in a, in a great way I mean I like tension I like suspense I like to build things up to the point where okay all right for God's sake, tell me what's going to happen. But now. it all sticks together, too, at the same time, right? You know what I mean? It yeah. really all it does come. Yeah. What makes a difference here, though, I've read other books in the past where it doesn't come full circle and tie itself. The loose ends are never tied. You know what I mean? Not never. but And those books got published? Some of them, yeah. Oh, wow. You can be amazed when people get published, right? <laughs> no, I'm I'm not amazed. Yeah, you're not amazed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you know what's going on. With yours, how long did it take you to write Hollywood Hustle? I had been writing it for about six months, and then I got a call from General Hospital, and they said, we're bringing your dead twin back. And so all of a sudden, I was working so hard for the next year and a half, I actually had to put it down. And by that time, we were into the pandemic. Oh, so shit. once the pandemic started, I had time to sit down and write again. It's like the one thing I'm grateful to the pandemic for. And then soap operas were the first productions to start up again, and we hadn't finished the twin story yet. So I had to go right back. So I had to put it down again. So all in all, completely finished it to the point where it was ready to submit from my my book agent, uh, Liza. She, she finally said, okay, we're good to go. I think around August of 2020, 22. Okay. Yeah, okay. right around there. And we had a book deal within like two months. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's good. Liza Flysick. She's really good. Yeah, she knows who but to go to. Like the book's really good. But but yeah, it's so I mean, you take all of that into account, I think it was about four years. But actual writing time, you know, I lost like a good year and a half and then another six months out of that time. So it probably took me about two years to do. Do you think it benefited you? to put the book down and almost come back with fresh thoughts it did it did, did it? for me yeah 
Yeah, I had to print out what I had and read it and right in front of me to get back into it. But that even that was good for me, to, you know, to be able to find a way to pick up where you left off. Yeah, you, you know, because really like a rhythm, a and you know, bit. yeah, and there's you know, there's a language to every book, you know, like a like a voice to a book. Yeah. So you have to you have to find that voice again, and after a while, you get into it that way. Yeah. That's I, I was always I was curious about that when you said that because I'm like over the course of what you said four and a half five years or so mm-hmm. you know writing a book and you're filming what's well, it's not just General Hospital you you were yeah doing, I was doing know, other things other films yeah. and events and stuff like that um, do you have any like book signings coming up or anything for that yeah actually uh, the the book launch event is on February seventh okay at fabled bookstore called Book Soup in Los Angeles it's on Sunset Boulevard. Then we have another one, February seventeenth, at the Barnes and Noble, Noble over in uh, Amer- Americana Brand. It's over in Glendale. Okay. And then we get to do one in New York City at the Mysterious Bookshop, which oh. is yeah, that's going to be on February. Oh, actually, that one's February twenty seventh. February seventeenth is the Barnes and Noble. February twenty seventh is in New York, Mysterious Bookshop. And I've got a few other things that are coming up, but you can go to my website. And all John's that. always got something cooking. I've always got something cooking because I get so bored. Yeah, I mean, you know what? You know, it's better to be a busy guy than a bored guy. That's you right. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. for real though. So, what is what is um, what do you want everyone to know about your book? Like, if, if if you had to, if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, John, why do why should I read your thriller?" Um, what what would you what would your answer be? That you know, I would like it. I think ultimately I might have been driven by a desire to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. You know, I can say it now, but Winston Green, the main character, is is inspired by, in many ways, the the, the road that uh, Tom Sizemore was on. Okay, okay. You know, an incredibly gifted guy who rose to the top and worked with all the best and then, due to his own demons, crashed and burned. And, you know... Tom never really got back to a uh, the place where he should have been before he passed away, sadly. But um, but Winston Green clawed his way up, and that's what I mean. He maintained. I think I would want people to hopefully be entertained by a crime story with a decent body count. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's but, a decent body count. but I want them to have a little better understanding of of Hollywood, quote unquote. And the people in it that that were really no different from anybody else. We deal with a lot of the same things, and sometimes they're even a little bit more intense, simply because people live in a fishbowl, and that's not easy. What is that for you, like uh, as far as from like a mental health standpoint? I mean, you have celebrated some fame. I'm sure you made some money. Um, what is that like when you know? I have a few regrets. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, there was one. There was one autograph I didn't sign in Las Vegas once, and it was because I w- I'd been up for like thirty six hours, and I was there for the Emmys, and it was, and it was, and I was just freaking exhausted. Yeah. And you know, anybody else would say, John, you can forgive yourself for that, you know, but I don't. You know, this person wanted an autograph because they knew who I was, and they didn't get it, and. She should have, you know, I regret that. And that, that little things like that can really wear on you. On the other hand, you know, if you sit down and you meditate or you, you know, you, you, you play video games or do, do something. Me, I go skiing. You know, I, I, I gotta do something that has nothing to do with And he's a skier. And I'm a skier. We're just adding, we're just adding to your, your repertoire as we <laughs> go. Repertoire. So continue. Yeah. My keep list. going. Keep going. Keep going, man. Um, 
you know, you've got to do something, you know, go, go surfing. That's how you maintain your mental health. Yeah. Just, you know, tr try to find a way to break away from it. Everybody that I know, including myself, has done things in their life and they look back maybe on certain situations and they go, oh, like, I shouldn't have done that. Or, like, I wish I could yeah. do it different. I wish I had that to do over. But, you know, like, I think the like the greatest thing about those situations is, like, you would never let that happen again now. No, I never would. Right? I never And, would. and that's why. No, and we're talking about one time. I know. But you it know? bugs you, right? <laughs> like, it bugs me. It's it bugs still, you. It still bothers me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a... That's an amazing thing, and I think mental health in Hollywood is so overlooked or spoken about, but not acted on, is what I see a lot more of. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, we have this tendency in this country anyway to think that we can just kind of tackle anything on our own, the rugged individualism, and I believe in that. I think there's a place for that, but the fact is, there's just just too many forces to contend with, right. you know, to be able to handle all that by yourself. That's something that we've missed anyway and that's it's a good example when you look at the old studio system people were under contract many of the actors were trained given personas given new names given a backstory given a phony story and many of them crashed and burned yeah as well you know it's just a hard way to live your life not knocking it it beats the shit out of working oh yeah 100 <laughs> yeah, percent, man i'd rather be doing this any day and deal with those pitfalls because pitfalls can be dealt with. You learn to deal with it. I think now I'm a pretty healthy guy at retirement age. <laughs> He's not at retirement age. Don't, don't let him fool you. Yeah, actually. Yeah, He's yeah. a skier, author, <laughs> actor, director. We've got much more coming. Drummer. What else can I he do? He surfs as well, apparently. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't think that in Hollywood, I think the one thing that I've noticed, John, with a lot of the people out here is a lot of people say they're doing things and they're not really doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's always this sense of what have you done for me lately? Or what are you doing now? Yeah. Uh, pe people like to, people like to hear that you're keeping busy with something. And there is a certain logic to that because you really do need to keep working what you do in order to stay good at it because, frankly, the competition is too stiff. Yep. There's always somebody who wants it a little bit more. Yep. You know, I'm the only one I know from when I started out that is still here, that is still doing this. Was, everybody else. I was going to ask you that. I yeah, was going to ask you how many, how many other people got chewed up and spit out by Hollywood. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of them. I mean, there's people that I know. He's shaking his head over there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean. But it's true. You know, there's not a single person. I talk about this in my book even. Because Winston Green thinks back and he goes, man, everybody from the acting classes, those little mostly empty theaters that you do yeah. plays in, you know, all those colleagues, you know, we're all united in purpose and, you know, in the beginning. Yeah. And they're all gone. Yeah. You know, it's it's really hard to hang in there for the long haul. You know, and if you do, if you have the opportunity, it's you're just so goddamn lucky. I don't know if I'd call you lucky. I think you're. I mean, maybe a little bit, but you're just you're skilled, man. I mean, you know what you're doing. And I, you know, I think. And you are so relaxed on camera. You said that before. Less is more. I mean, you yeah. just all you you know what you're doing. I, mean, you're I think there's something though that 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 really has to be said. There, you ha you have to want it, and I think I just wanted it more. Yeah. You know, even if it was just a little bit more. Where'd that fire come from, man? I don't know. 
I really don't know. That's a that's a really good question. I don't know. I can't answer that. There are people who have it, but I don't think anybody can explain. It might you know, you might unpack their childhood yeah, or something. Course. You know, after a couple of therapy sessions, maybe. Right? Yeah, we'll maybe, figure it out. Maybe you know. I mean, my mother's father killed himself. You know, wow. blew his brains out when she was five years old, and she found him. Holy shit. But, you know, she didn't grow up with some sense of loss and trying to fill it all with, you know, with showbiz and, yeah. you know, outward love or something. She grew up into a normal person. You know, she had a strength. Maybe I got it from her. I don't know. But there is there's a there's an aspect to personalities that succeed in entertainment anyway. And I think maybe even in politics. Like, I can't say I would agree with Mitch McConnell on very much. Right. <laughs> but son of a bitch knows how to legislate, you know? He does. And he, he, does. Knows, he knows how to get things done. Yep. So, and he's, and he's done it under a lot of, against a lot of adversity. Same, and I would say the same thing for Chuck Schumer yep. on the other side, you mm-hmm. know? These guys know what to do, but there's something else that drives them. Yeah. And I'm not even sure if they know what it is. It's I don't know. It's an intangible. I, th- it definitely, that's the greatest intangible you've got. Let me tell you because I think what's so cool about what you've got going on as well is it's not just like you have this fire for this one thing, right? It's not like hey man, I'm an actor and that's it, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. You're like I'm gonna do a little bit of everything, you know? Yeah. Do you have kids? I have a foster son. He's turning. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's turning forty. I mean, he's he's my son. Yeah. But he's turning forty next month. I can't believe it. He's been with me since he was nine. I got a seven-year-old. Yeah? Yeah. Boy or girl? I got a boy. Yeah. Boys are great, man. Man, He's a good time, man. We just went to the Cavs game the other day. We had a blast. Yeah. We're always having fun. The boys, you can always do No offense. Yeah. (laughs) It's great, though. There's a lady in the room. There's a lady in the room. Um, But yeah, we would, you know, when I lived in Malibu, we would always go out kayaking on the ocean. And, you know, we're always checking out the latest brad pitt or tom cruise movie because we know there's a lot of stuff blowing up in it you know you know it was just we just had the best time and we still do he went to the emmys with me this year do you do like uh i'm sure i'm sure this might be maybe an obvious question but are there ever roles that you're just like not for me oh sure yeah yeah i say no more than i say yes i was gonna ask absolutely yeah you know I you know I'm not the most famous guy in the world, but I do have some notoriety. So, there up to a certain level, there will be requests. You yeah, know, hey, course. could you come on to our our movie here and and do something? And most of the time, it's just it's just not thought out enough. And and that's one of the benefits of what I've been doing all these years. I can figure out what is worked out and what isn't. I can see it on the page. On the other hand, you know, a friend will call. Michael Oblowitz will call. Um, Molly Quinn will call. Michael Oblowitz, you're a pain in my ass. I'm going to send you this clip. (laughs) Michael's a very good friend of mine. (laughs) Um, Michael is Michael's a really fascinating guy and a very talented. I always tell Michael whenever he sits down in front of a microphone, I go, Michael, you realize I could just go, "Hey, Michael, how are you today?" and then just walk away from the mic for like three hours. Oh yeah, he'll still be on. He could do that. Yeah, (laughs) Michael can talk. Like I said, with him business. and Larry Gross, 
I might as well have not had Larry Gross over there. <laughs> like, I felt bad for Larry. Like, Larry and I are just sitting there listening to Michael talk. It's a good thing so Larry's much. kind of a quiet guy anyway. Larry is a quiet guy. Yeah. Larry is a quiet guy. But a very interesting yeah. one. Yeah. But if I get a call from one of my friends who I who I know and respect, you know, Michael B. could be one, uh, Molly Quinn's another. You know, these are people that I've worked with because they needed some help from somebody who they knew could deliver. Yep. You know, Um and, you know, I'm willing to step up for them anytime. You know, when I when I made my feature, How We Got Away With It, um, you always end up doing a year on the festival circuit. Yeah. You know? And I met a lot of other filmmakers out there. At that time, I'm still in touch with them. I'm going to be working with one of them soon. I'm attached to something that he's going to do. So, you know, it's a... Uh, you know, I just want to work with other professionals. That's yeah, all. I get that's that. All. I get that. And I don't care how big or small it is. I just want it to be interesting. So that's more, it's more of a, it's more of a, like, what is the plot? What is the movie at this point? Is What's that, the movie? What's the character? I watched Saltburn the other night. Have you seen Saltburn? I haven't. It's a, it's a crazy movie. I mean, it's beautifully done. But at the end of the movie, I had to go, why did they make this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's re- like I say, it's really good. I think Rosamund Pike is just delivers one of the best performances I've ever seen. I had to ask myself, why did they make this? And I realized maybe it's just very English. It's all about class warfare mm-hmm. and stuff. Maybe that was it. But um, I guess I'm too American to to understand. <laughs> You're not on that level. <laughs> yet. I'm not on that level yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've been uh, I've been hitting the, I've been hitting Netflix lately. I watched this British show. It's called Fool Me Once. It just came out. I think. Oh, I read the book. Yeah, yeah, it's Harlan uh, Coben. Yeah, yeah, extremely. I think. I mean, I think they did a really great job with that. I'd be interested to see hear your opinion if you get well, a chance to watch. Yeah, it. I'll probably watch it. I Harlan Coben's a great writer. I mean, he's one of those guys that kind of lives in this rarefied world where he can come up with these psychological thrillers that are incredibly layered and heavily plotted, but the characters are all good. And there's not a lot of guys that can do that. There's him, there's Robert Cray, there's okay. David Baldacci. You know, there's they're just kind of in this, like I say, rarefied air. You know, I, I don't know how they do it. I wish I could do it. Alex Finlay's one of those guys. You know, maybe someday, but not today. I got some great vis- visuals from your book, and I don't want to give too much away. But I mean, I, I, I'm serious. <laughs> well, if I can't if I can't describe Hollywood by now, <laughs> yeah, no, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like you, did, you did a really, gr- really great job of that. And I think when you see that translate in that particular, I didn't know that was a book, but to see that translate to a show, I mean, I don't know what the book is, so I'd be interested to maybe read the book and see the differences. And it's it's English, right? It's the, yeah, the production yeah. is yes. English. Yeah. Yes, it is. It takes place in England because the book takes place in New York and Ohio, and yeah, you know, it's very American. Oh, okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, it's a bit of a translation. Yeah, culturally, th- this one had me. I'll tell you what, I didn't even realize it. I wasn't paying that much of attention with, at first, and then she hopped out of the right side of the Jaguar she was driving. I'm like, <laughs> we're not in America. <laughs> I'm smart. We're not in Kansas we're anymore. We're not in Kansas yeah. anymore, baby. So, yeah, man, that's just amazing. So you're a foster parent. From Winston's standpoint, you see mental health kind of like this for him a little bit in the book, mm-hmm. okay? Or mm-hmm. a lot of it, actually, in the book, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. I was able to relate to that quite a bit from personal experiences in my life and just kind of feeling like, man, like everything's like great, great, great. And then you're kind of waiting for things to fall off a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Was that, 
intentional that you did that? I think it's just, I, I think I just wanted to capture what it's, it's a life, you know, it's a life that's lived. We all, we all have these emotional, psychological challenges. Um, like I say, I think living in a fishbowl, it makes it a little bit harder. Right. You know, Winston hid behind alcohol for a long time just to create that veil of anonymity that he told himself he was standing behind when he wasn't. Mental health is just, it's ignored in all the wrong places in this country. And, you know, I think we as a culture should just get over it. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're, we've had a, a lot of huge challenges as a, as a global world. <laughs> Yeah, man. you know, uh, over the last five years, this has been really hard, and we haven't recovered from it. No, not even close. Not even close. We've gotten used to having our food delivered. I was going to say, how many restaurants have closed in? Around? Oh my God! You know, yeah, it's incredible. Like half of them, and they and then you're just used to them not being back. You're just used to them not coming back. To other businesses not coming back, and it, you know, and I'd like to say, well, it shouldn't have happened. You know, I'd say, well, I wish COVID didn't happen, but it did. Yeah. And and we had a we have a political scene that we have that's only gotten worse. And we have internet and I blame the internet for almost everything. <laughs> you know. How do you for, not though? It, how do you not? I mean, it's just, you know, it all it does is feed more distance. I don't want to say media, it cr- no, creates right. more division, you're but it, it, right. it makes us further apart. And you know, when was the last time most of most of my things like this, like the one I had today, was over Zoom. I refuse. I won't do them. Yeah. I mean, it's I it's a whole different experience to be talking to you, and there's two people here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two other human beings in this room. This is strange. Yeah. This feels weird. Yeah, I can't. It's almost threatening. I won't do good. No. <laughs> this is just the beginning. No, this that's uh that's the whole point. I refuse to do it. I have done them over Zoom, and I won't air them. They're garbage. There's nothing personal about them. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't get to shake your hand, look you in the eye. I don't get to thank you. I don't, you know what I'm saying? We don't get to really have that dialogue. Right. It doesn't, it's not, it's more scripted at that point. Mm-hmm. But like for me, I like to know who you are. I take notes. I do things like that. And I'm pretty just, impressed you've got a whole notebook going here. I mean, it's just a couple lines, man, you know? But you know, <laughs> but I always try to do that, but I always try to go for more of the top of the head because I feel like it's a little bit more respectful when you actually did your research mm-hmm. and people could tell. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, that's, that's just the way it is. So, but yeah, man, I, I agree with you. And I think from the mental health standpoint, like I used to, um, I used to take like Lexapro and do, I don't do any of that stuff anymore. Mm. Exercise. You told me, you said, Ex- go, go surf and go skiing. I couldn't agree more. It's changed my life. Yeah. Exercise is, is great. Yeah. Meditation is great. Um, I mean, my I, fat ass went for a three mile run before I came here. I swear to God. Really? Yeah, man. We went down, I, I'm down in Marina Del Rey right now. Oh, wow. So I was like, man, I'm going to hit that go see you and that's what we did i used to live down there used to ride my bike i lived in venice for a long time i used to just ride my bike all the way to the end where it it, when it ended no way and then all the way back down try riding all the way down to manhattan beach and back you know and hope the wind changes to be (laughs) on your your back (laughs) both ways i I gotta go see my friend on friday but some days you get lucky (laughs) but it's great waking up over there and like that mentality like my life particularly i know a lot of other people's too when you like i just came from cleveland man you see the sun oh you know you feel better yeah. right <laughs> you know it's crazy but you you work out and you do those things and it really does change a lot of you know your perception or how you're feeling or what you're doing you know what mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. um and i love that i really do i love that all right we're like 45 in 
All right, cool. Is there anything that, like, what else do you want to talk about? What else do you want to touch on? Uh, you know, well, I would say on that mental health thing, um, if there's anything that we've lost over the last few years, maybe we were losing it before and it just accelerated. Just listen to each other, man. Please, just, if there's anything you can do, just try and look each other in the eye and hear the other person's point of view. I feel like as a culture, as a society, just as a people, we've we've gotten so far from each other that we're on the precipice of not ever coming back towards each other. I think, you know, it's very it's it's pretty likely that we could all fall off opposite cliffs. It's scary, it, man. It's scary. And and I don't think I think we're a lot better than that. I think as a country, we're better than that. And we don't need a 9-11 to bring us together. We could do this on our own. Well, this and I would like to see that. To like social media, right? We were talking about that a second ago. Now here's, mm-hmm. here's the, like my seven-year-old, okay? He doesn't have any social media. He has an iPad. He'll play it for a little bit. He's got an Xbox. He'll play that. These kids don't want to do anything else except sit on those screens because it's, yeah. an, it's an easy option and it's fulfilling. Right, because those algorithms are, are, are meant to suck you in. Yeah. So, yeah. what do you do about it? I have actually. I just bought him a guitar and a box oh, drum. There you go. So we're gonna get him. He's gonna be starting guitar lessons. That was first. Usually in the summertime in Cleveland, I can keep him outside. Yeah. You know, we can play outside. We can play football. I'm a single dad. I go play basketball with them. We'll go to Cavs games, Indians games, or Guardians. Oh, <laughs> uh, whatever. You want. It's still Indians. Um, and uh, Browns games, stuff like that, which I found right. out, by the way, a, taking a seven-year-old to a Browns Steelers game is not a place for a seven-year-old. Probably but not a good it, place. It's, no, it's but, not. Uh, but good, it was an experience. Good game, though. Yeah, great game, though. <laughs> um, but you see that, and then I walk into his school, and he, he goes to extended care after school because I usually can't get him to like 5, 530. Mm-hmm. And you got kids that are in, you know, he's in second grade and second, third, four, first grade, whatever, with cell phones. Yeah, and they're just sitting there, man. And you're just like, that's not. It's not good. I mean, I grew up in Oregon. You know, we had weather, and it, you know, I I can I can tell you, it was it was a weekly occurrence, multi weekly occurrence. My mother shooing us out of the house because our screens were the TV back then. Yeah, you know, come in and turn on Dark Shadows or something. You know, you okay, was, your show's was, over. He Get was outside. at the TV turning it on. Yeah, we just actually turning it like that. <laughs> That's how we turn the channels too with the dial, boy. And you say, "Oh, he's not retirement age." Yeah, I am. But, but you know, we were in the middle of winter. It was get out of the house. Yeah. You know, go get the disc and slide down the driveway. Do something. But get out. So yeah, maybe you I'm know just it's a... hard. I think it's much much harder now for a parent. But it shouldn't to be. try and to try and steer their kid away from that. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. A TV was just in the room. You know, you pick them up and move them out of the room, there's no TV. But now, you know, we're all running around. We can take it everywhere. Isn't that wild? It is wild. But, you know, of course, I would want my kid to have one so he can always call me in this world. That's the excuse, though. Yeah. And I and I get it. So it's like, and, and that kind of leads me to, do we live in a sicker world than we used to? You know, or is it just so much more public or publicized or covered mm-hmm. that it has become... Oh my God! This could happen. This could happen. This could happen. I mean, I don't really know, but yeah, I you know I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm of the belief that kids are probably safer in big cities. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though. I mean, seriously. That's because I grew up in a small town. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you know then. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you see all those documentaries. Yeah, the, yeah. Turn on Netflix some that, night. That's Oof. all you need right there. Scary. Um, so I usually finish my interviews with one question, um, and it's always – uh, on a scale of one to ten, how happy would you consider yourself to be? And if ten is not the answer, what do you think you could do to get closer to a ten? I, I'd love to take the easy way out and say ten mm-hmm. and leave it at that. But I think it's probably more of a nine. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to spend more time with my son. And, there you go. Uh, with Paul, and um, which we try to do. So that actually is being done. I, you know, I I want to spend more time just just communicating like this with people one-on-one my friends are really important to me and the last few years have disrupted our routines and we haven't been able to create them again and uh and i'd like to do that that would help a lot and i'd just like to keep creating stuff yeah just make just making shit i I think this kind of stuff is healthy yeah yeah Yeah. this kind of stuff is healthy just talking i feel better i was too tired when i came in to do this and now i feel fine good yeah I love that. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you. Seriously. <laughs> um, so listen, everybody. February 6th, book comes out, Hollywood Hustle by John Lindstrom. Also, February 6th, the audiobook is also coming out. Where's that going to be? Uh, yeah, everywhere you get audiobooks, Audible everywhere. and Apple and all those things. Plus, if you pre-order, there's this really cool thing. I didn't know what, what this was about. But if you pre-order like the hardcover, and you can do it at your local bookstore, you don't have to do it on, at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. Go to your local bookstore. Support your bookstore. Um, but if you get the hard copy and then you'd like take a picture of your receipt, you can upload that at a link that's on my website. You can go there and I will sign you a book plate. Oh. And you put it in your book. It actually increases the value of the book. So it, it now is worth more than you paid for it. And you'll be able to enter a competition or some sort of contest, like a random drawing, where we get to spend like an hour together, at least virtually, but we get to talk and you get to ask me anything. So that's amazing. These are the kind of things that publishers come up with, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, do that. That'll be fun. That's some PR. I'd like to hear more. I I want to hear what people think of the book, too. I like that. I like that you're, I like that you're open to, to uh you know we'll call it criticism i suppose yeah you know constructive criticism criticism. no i i really do i think that's super cool of you and um i just want to thank you for you know you're part of my childhood man so i appreciate that i knew exactly who you were when i saw you at that movie premiere (laughs) and i was like oh that's john i know exactly who that is (laughs) and then thanks for coming today man because you really opened up a lot of top we talked a lot about a lot in an hour but uh, we talked about your book we talked about your career we talked about you know mental health and different situations and um i really appreciate you as a as a man opening up about that kind of stuff and having that conversation because because some won't thank you yeah. thanks very much so you know, i'm glad we could do this i've had a, had a really good time well thank you again and can i see that real quick your sure. book i just want to make sure we hollywood hustle everybody check it out <laughs> you're gonna love it thank you thank you thank you very much <laughs>